Welcome. I am Sheila Murthy, President and Founder of the Murthy Law Firm. Today's title is An Overview of the Cap Gap for F1 Students. So students in F1 status are often sponsored by their employers or prospective employers for H1B status. The sponsorship is based on an offer of temporary employment in a specialty occupation in which the student has earned the degree. Typically, most students receive such employment offers either at the end of the study or while they are employed pursuant to the F1 OPT or optional practical training. An F1 student's ability to maintain status while an H1B petition is pending and the ability of such F1 student to continue working on OPT are complicated by the annual quota that is available with H-1B visa numbers, as well as the student's expiration of the F-1 OPT status and the current employment authorization date. So here you have gaps. You have an F-1 OPT that expires. You have an H-1B that may start a few months later and because of the quota won't start till October 1st. And so in between that gap is when we're talking about the potential risks or what we call the cap gap issue. So as most of you know, most employers are subject to the annual cap gap or the annual cap on H-1B numbers with the exception of nonprofit and government research organizations and institutions of higher education. So if the employer is pretty much most private employers subject to the quota or the cap, then the H-1B generally can only start from October 1st, which is the start of the USCIS fiscal year. The earliest that an employer can file the petition is six months earlier, which is April 1st in the same calendar year. Accordingly, for a person to be eligible for a change of status from F1 to H1, the student must satisfy two general requirements, one that is applicable to all changes of status and the other one that is specific to a change of status from F1 to H1B. So the first issue is that the non-immigrant must establish that the student on F1 is in valid status, maintaining valid status at the time of the filing of that petition and that there is a basis for the requested new change of status. However, when an individual changes from F1 to H1B with the requested start date in the future, which is October the 1st, because presumably the H1 quota has been used up well before the April 1st date, which is pretty much the way it's been majority of the years for the last several years, the student would need to show that the student will be maintaining valid F1 status until the October 1st start date. So before the CAP-GAP rules came into existence, F1 students whose status were set to expire, say during usually between May, June, and July in the summer months, because they had the F1 OPT valid for 12 months, they had to depart the United States or leave the U.S. and wait for a decision on the H-1B petition and return back to work for the employer by October the 1st. Assuming that the petition was approved, they would then apply for the H-1B visa stamp at the U.S. consulate and subsequently re-enter the U.S. on H-1B status, usually after September 21st, but with a legal start date of October the 1st. 
The only other viable option was to try and transfer either to a new program of study or school to maintain F1 status before the requested H-1B start date. Sometimes some students would switch to a B-1, B-2 as tourists to try and buy two or three months of time in the United States while waiting for the October 1st H-1B start date. To help students maintain status in the U.S. during the pendency of the H-1 petition, the Department of Homeland Security issued regulations back in April of 2008 called the CAP-GAP rule, which provided a solution to those students who were previously unable to remain in the U.S. in a valid legal status and continue working right until the date that their status changed to H-1B on October the 1st. So if certain requirements are met, the CAP-GAP rule basically serves to extend the student's F-1 status and in many cases, employment authorization. The requirements are pretty simple namely that the new petition has to request a change of status to H-1B with a start date, which can be no later than October 1st of that fiscal year, of the new fiscal year, which starts from that date. Additionally, or second, the student should still be in a valid F-1 status on the date of filing that change of status petition. And third, if the student has OPT employment authorization when the H-1B petition is filed, both the status and the employment authorization will be extended until the initial expiration, until that expiration date or until September 30th. And then the October 1st uh, would presumably start for the H-1B employment. So for example, a student whose F-1 OPT authorization, let's say, ended on April 15th, and the employer has filed the H-1 petition on April 1st of that calendar year, requesting a change of status with a start date of October 1st in the same calendar year, that student will be able to continue working in valid F-1 OPT status beyond April 15th, right until September 30th, i.e. October 1st. If the student's employment authorization ended prior to the filing date of April 1st, and if the the student is still within the 60 days of the F-1 grace period, as of the date of filing the H-1B petition, then the F-1 status will be extended for the person and the person will be able to stay in the United States but is not authorized to be employed. So this is a big and important difference for most students and can make a big difference for employers. If the H-1B petition is approved, the student's F-1 status and employment authorization, if any, would be extended until October 1st which is when the change of status will occur. If the petition is withdrawn or denied before the October 1st start date, the student will be able to continue employment for 10 more days after the denial date and will also be eligible for 60 days of grace period at the completion of the F-1 status. If the change of status request is denied due to a finding of F-1 status violation, then the student will be required to depart the United States immediately. Likewise, if the approved H-1 petition is revoked due to fraud or misrepresentation by the USCIS, the student will be considered as out of status and no longer be protected by the CAP-GAP rules. In addition, the SEVP or the Student and Exchange Visitor Program and ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is in charge of the CVIS program for tracking students, 
usually issues cap gap end dates every filing season for student for students whose H-1 petitions are timely filed but have not been issued a receipt notice yet. Now, on the other hand, if the F-1 petition is still pending after October 1st, the student's status and any employment authorization, unfortunately for the employer and the employee, will end on October the 1st, but the student may remain in the U.S., in a period of authorized stay, awaiting a decision on the petition. So what happens to such students? So students whose employment authorization has been extended by the application of the cap-gap rule continue to be subject to the maximum employment limitation, which is 90 days during the initial OPD period and 120 days, which includes both the initial and the 17-month STEM extension. Because the cap-gap provision automatically applies to all eligible students, and we've just described what the eligibility criteria is, an updated form I-20 is not required for this cap-gap period. Students are, however, advised to contact the designated school official for the issuance of the updated I-20 with the cap-gap endorsement, especially if there is any risk or if the employer requires such documents. Now, one of the issues that most of us advise students is to avoid travel during the cap-gap period. Generally, only those students who have a valid EAD and an I-20 endorsed for travel are able to safely re-enter the U.S. and resume employment in F-1 status. If a student departs while the H-1B petition is still pending and the person is presumably working on the F-1 cap-gap under the CAP-GAP regulations, the student will be possibly deemed to have abandoned, um, actually is deemed to have abandoned the change of status request and will have to wait outside of the U.S. for the approval of the H-1B petition, then apply for the H-1 visa stamp at the U.S. consulate abroad, and then re-enter the U.S. up to 10 days before the October 1st start date when the petition is approved. If the student leaves the U.S. after the approval of the H-1B petition and does not have proper documentation to re-enter the U.S., like a recently endorsed I-20, for example, including a valid employment authorization document because the OPT presumably already expired in this example that we gave on April 15th in order to re-enter on F-1 status prior to the October 1st date, it is possible that the Customs and Border Protection or the CBP inspector at the airport will deny entry to the person, and the person will have to wait outside the U.S. to re-enter only on H-1B status a few days before October 1st. So in summary, while the cap-gap rule provides significant benefits to students transitioning from F-1 to H-1B status and for such employers, not every filing of an H-1B petition will result in the extension of the student's F-1 status and provide safe employment authorization to protect both the employer and the employee. It is important to be familiar with all the CAP-GAP requirements, including all important triggering events and timeframes in order for the student and for the employer to realize how the student should maintain valid F-1 status to avoid any future problems down the road when applying for other extensions of status or when filing for the green card. Thank you.